Hello again, everybody. It is another great episode of the PFG Vibecast. I am your host, Julie Voigt, and with me as always is my co-host, your friendly neighborhood football guru himself, Mr. Russell Baxter. Tonight, we bring you the 12th episode of the Vibecast. Just think about it. If it was only the holiday season right now, we would probably sing the 12 days of Vibecast, but we won't make your ears bleed with that, or at least one of us. I just want to thank everybody for your ongoing support. We are receiving great feedback. So thank you so much for listening to us, following us. Everything's just been a blessing. And now, for your listening pleasure, Mr. Russell Baxter, take it away. Well, it's our 12th episode of the PFG Vibecast, and uh, we continue the theme of timing is everything. Um, There was some big news regarding a retirement uh, in the NFL on Sunday, so why not get on one of the better NFL writers we know, and it's Mike Diabate, uh, FPC Patriots, um, and FPC Radio, uh, a new venture for for them, uh, live radio, uh, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Uh, Mike, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing wonderful, Russ. How are you? I'm doing terrific. Say hello to Julie. Julie, always a pleasure. (laughs) (laughs) Always. Thank you. Well, listen, let's not bury the lead here. Um, Sunday night, there was uh, major news uh, regarding the retirement of a longtime NFL player. Uh, Mike, what was your reaction when you heard the news about Jeremy Macklin? (laughs) <laughs> I love the setup. Uh, Macklin, <laughs> one one amazing wide receiver and just a great career. And, and in all actuality, I mean, I know we're, you know, it's a little bit tongue in cheek, but, uh, you know, Macklin definitely had himself an excellent NFL career. And, you know, we definitely wish him the best. There's no question about that. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it was um, that retirement did take me a little bit by surprise, but uh, there was one a little further north that kind of had a little bit more of my attention with all due respect to Mr. Macklin. Oh, uh, yeah. There was and, and, one that kind of had me a little bit more distracted. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I won't do any uh, Pearl Jam Jeremy spoke uh, remarks and on, but obviously Jeremy Macklin had a terrific career. Didn't play last year, um, but, you know, uh, Eagles, Chiefs, uh, Ravens, um, but, of course, we're talking about Rob Gronkowski, a uh, nine-year veteran, uh, one of the most prolific tight ends in the history of the National Football League. Um, did it catch you by surprise, the announcement on Sunday? Things about uh, uh, Gronk moving, uh, moving on. Yeah, I mean, I honestly, if it were a couple of weeks earlier, I think it would have caught me very, very much by surprise. But to be honest, in some of the circles that I was speaking to the last couple of weeks, there started to become a feeling like this was more of a possibility than had originally been thought. So it was more, it was a surprise. I don't think it was the shock. It would have been maybe just two weeks prior where all the signs seemed to be pointing to Rob wanting to return. It looked like he was working out at the TB12 facility, that he was a fixture of, 
according to some reports at uh, Gillette Stadium in Foxborough, Massachusetts, for the last few weeks uh, following the Super Bowl. So it was really starting to look like Rob had made the decision to make his return and that he was simply trying to get his affairs in order, trying to get his, himself in shape. And it looked like that was the direction that he was going into. But the rumblings that I heard the last couple of weeks said that there were either delays or there were, you know, maybe like a crack or a fissure in his enthusiasm coming back and wanting to play one more year. I think all in all, I think it was really for two reasons that you saw Rob Gronkowski step away from the game of football. One, I think he saw the opportunity to go out as a Super Bowl champion. It's a very rare circumstance where a player of his caliber can walk away as a Super Bowl champion at the top of his game, really making what ended up being the game-winning catch. I know that the Patriots had to punch it in from the goal line uh, in order to seal the only touchdown of Super Bowl 53. But at that point, what happens with Rob Gronkowski's catch is that catch set that up. That really becomes, I think, one of the plays of the game and probably the more indelible uh, marks that you'll see when that game is reviewed. You're already seeing that. And in history, I think that's exactly how it'll be remembered. So he had the ability to do that. And I think he saw that and wanted to seize it. But all in all, I think ultimately the decision for Rob to walk away from the game of football dealt with his injury. Uh, There was a report that surfaced shortly before the Super Bowl. Uh, Mike Giardi of the NFL Network, who worked up here for a number of years for NBC Sports Boston, formerly Comcast, um, Mike is one of the guys that I respect in this business very much. And he reported that Rob not only was suffering from an Achilles injury all season long, but also a bulging disc in his back, which had to be excruciatingly painful for him. And I'm sure that the injuries that he's had throughout his career did take their toll. So, you know, I think it was just time for Rob to decide to walk away from the game of football. Uh, he does so with an, an amazing record, uh, a, a nine year career in which he's been able to uh, not only dominate at, at a very high level, but create matchup nightmares that every team in the league has got to be absolutely ecstatic that they don't have to prepare for next year. Even though the last couple of years, Gronk has been, I don't want to say a shell of himself, but he hasn't been the quite dominant force that he was early on in his career. He was still a very, very difficult matchup. So next stop for him is Canton. If In fact, he has played his final down and all indications are that he probably has. I mean, you never say never to anything, especially a guy as young as Rob Gronkowski. You always have to wonder if there is something that could lure him back. But by all accounts and all intents and purposes, it looks like he has played his final down. Um, The next stop for him is Canton, Ohio. You know, I sit back and I read and, you know, he was a three-time Super Bowl winner, of course, four-time All-Pro, five-time Pro Bowler, of course, Tom Brady's favorite target. I know definitely, you know, with the NFL releasing that the Patriots will play the first Sunday night game, that's going to be one celebration. Um, I think there's not going to be a dry eye because I think Gronk pretty much, you know, off the field, on the field was pretty much a great person. Yeah, he truly was, Julie. I mean, you know, there are a lot of guys that have hype surrounding them. uh, But Rob was one of those guys that lived up to the hype. Look, he was, there was no question about it. There was that fun-loving frat boy mentality and that persona that he put out. And a part of that was part of his personality. Gronk was the life of the party. And he always, and he 
you know, any time that people would see him, whether it be the, you know, Super Bowl parades or whether it be a get together or any type of, um, you know, hype uh, event at Gillette Stadium. Rob was always a guy that the camera gravitated towards. And that'll continue on. I mean, whatever he does in his post football career is going to be entertaining. That's just the way Rob Gronkowski is. But he truly lived up to that off the field. My lasting memory, I actually sat down at the, the, uh, the keyboard to write an editorial, uh, you know, this week on the career of Rob Gronkowski. And one of the things that I focus on in it, uh, which will be available tomorrow, I will be publishing that. But um, one of the things that I focused on was was his love for philanthropy. Since the day that he walked onto a field in the NFL, Rob Gronkowski set out to give back. He donated constant time and funds, but most of all his time to so many children's um, um, charities and so many children's foundations. Uh, The Boston Children's Hospital, Rob would often show up unannounced uh, without press uh, or without any type of fanfare and just visit children that were in need of a pick-me-up, in need of some sort of, uh, you know, cheering up. And Rob Gronkowski would be there. He'd show up in a minion hat or he'd show up in, you know, a Marvin the Martian costume and just come in and really, like, give kids a little bit of an uplift. Uh, he was so active in Make-A-Wish and some of the, uh, the, the great organizations that he had attached himself to. The Gronk Family Foundation, uh, which was founded by himself, his brothers, and his uh, uh, his family, uh, donated so much time, energy, equipment to youth sports organizations that may not have had the money to be able to afford decent equipment, whether it be field hockey or whether it be ice hockey or whether it be you know football or anything. Um, he always made sure that giving back was always forefront, and so many athletes. Uh, you know, do this stuff under the radar. Um, and they they do it in a way that really lets you know that it's all about the giving. Rob Gronkowski is by far not the only athlete to do that. But I can tell you from personal experience, I've seen hands-on what he's able to do. And it was genuine and from the heart. And to me, that's going to be his lasting legacy. So when you say there's not going to be a dry eye in the house, you have to think Rob is going to be involved in that ceremony somehow mm-hmm. on September 8th. And yeah, it's going to be for Patriots fans all over. It's definitely going to be an emotional night. Right. And you know, with a month, you know, less than a month going on, we have the draft coming up. And of course, we know we have the Patriots with 12 picks in the draft. Do you think the Patriots can go on and fill this huge hole that's going to be missing in their offense? And when I mean huge, of course, you know, he was what, (laughs) six foot six 200 and what pounds I mean this is going to be quite a hole to fill do you think they're going to do that through the draft or do you think that they could possibly trade somewhere maybe within the next year or the season afterwards where do you see that going you know that's the that's the million dollar question that everyone's asking themselves right now. I mean, if you take a look at the depth chart that the Patriots have, obviously they just signed Matt Lacoste to a two year deal. Um, Jacob Hollister is on the roster. Uh, there's a lot of promise there, but Hollister has had his his situations with injuries, much like Rob has. Uh, being able to stay on the field has not exactly been Jacob Hollister's strong suit, much less than Rob. Um, Steven Anderson is on the, uh, the, uh, the the roster as well, and Ryan Izzo rounds that up. I know the Patriots are high on, on, uh, on Izzo, but I don't see him being the answer at tight end. 
when you take a look at what's available via free agency, there really isn't much left available right now. I know they made a hard push for Jared Cook. Jared came out again today and said that despite the Patriots situation, that he was still going to sign with New Orleans. And I believe that's close to being as close to being a done deal as you can get right now. So he's off the board as well. A trade is going to be complicated depending on who is available and depending on who is able to sort of mimic what Rob Gronkowski brings to the table, because you can never replicate something like that. My thought process is that they will use the draft and the name that everybody right now in New England is speaking and really, I think, pie in the sky type um, desire is TJ Hawkinson from Iowa. And I think a lot of people are looking at him as being not only the athletic pass catching threat, uh, but also the physical threat at times to be able to be that mauling type uh, blocker that Rob Gronkowski was. That's a big void that the Patriots have to fill. It's not just his pass catching skills. People have to remember how great of a blocker Rob Gronkowski is and was and what he brought to the table, even when he wasn't the target of Tom Brady. You take a look at the blocking that he did in the game against the uh, the Los Angeles Chargers in the divisional round. That was really a very key point in the Patriots being able to open up seams and have Sony Michelle run the ball pretty wild. So Hawkinson is he's not as big as Gronk. Uh, he's drawn comparisons to him, but you know he has the ability to get there in terms of being a blocker and a pass catcher. So you know he's he's got similar size. I think Hawkinson is listed as 6'5", I believe. Gronk is 6'6", 265. But he's close. He's got reliable hands. He's strong at the point of attack. So he looks like a guy that really would fit that mold and, you know, slide right in. The problem is availability. The Patriots pick at 32, and Hawkinson is really, you know, projected not the last pass the the middle part of the first round. So you might see them package some picks in order to be able to trade up to get a guy like TJ. Um, in the event that they do slide down to 32 or beyond that, you know, there are a couple of guys that, uh, that could be, uh, uh, that could be on the, the horizon. One of them is, Hawkinson's Iowa teammate and Noah Fant. Uh, Fant's not quite the blocker that Hawkinson is, but he might be one of the more athletic receiving tight ends in this year's class, so he could step in and be a pass-catching threat for Tom Brady. I think Fant is even probably a little bit of a stretch at 32. I think he's going to be off the board. Um, another option that could be late in the first round is Irv Smith uh, out of Alabama. You saw Bill Belichick attend Alabama's Pro Day, so there's right. definitely a familiarity with what uh, he does in in terms of uh, his relationship, um, you know, with the uh, uh, the University of Alabama, so there's you know a lot that, uh, that that could go on there. Obviously, there's a synergy between him and Nick Saban, um, so that could be a possibility as well. Um, then you start getting into the latter part of the first round, possibly even second round picks that uh, that could be uh, there. Josh Oliver of San Jose State is another name that people are bandying around. Uh, Jason Sternberger is another guy from Texas A&M. So these are guys that I have my eye on in terms of my draft board. I think the Patriots may be a little bit more aggressive in trying to get a tight end through the draft. Um, Hawkinson would be the ideal situation, but I don't know of the realism or how realistic that is. I think they'll have to put together a pretty impressive trade package uh, in order to be able to trade up to a spot where they can snag in with the first round pick. Mike, uh, there's no such thing as rebuilding in New England. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, arguably the greatest dynasty in the history of the NFL. If you combine the consecutive winning seasons, the consecutive 10 win seasons, uh, no team that's ever been to the playoffs 10 years in a row in the National Football League. 
Um, but it's interesting. Julie already alluded to 12 draft choices coming up. Um, as mm -hmm. you well know, um, more than half of the Patriots 2018 draft class um, was not available last year, be it injuries, IR, et cetera, et cetera. Um, right. is, is this, uh, and we look at who's left. Trey Flowers is gone. Malcolm Brown is gone. Obviously, Rob Gronkowski's retirement. Uh, we saw a mass exodus last year in terms of free agency and so on. But uh, I guess what I'm getting to is not, a, not every building year, but this, could this be a transition year in terms of the Patriots, in terms of over, overhauling their roster and stressing youth with all these young players that could be made available to them? I think that's a very distinct possibility. The only argument against or rebuilding. Like you said, there's really no rebuilding in, right. in New England. And, and I completely agree with you there. The only argument against retooling or transitioning uh, for a year is that Tom Brady will be turning 42 this year. And you have to understand, and as much as New England Patriots fans want to believe that it won't be the case, Father Time does eventually creep up on you, and you have to wonder how much more Brady will be able to sustain. Now, obviously, he looked pretty good this year he led them to a world to a, a world championship uh was he you know did he put up the prolific numbers that he did just two seasons ago in an mvp campaign no he didn't and i think he'd be the first to admit that but brady is still very capable of leading this team and being able to uh to win you know football games for you he still has that ability to take the game on his shoulders and take it over we saw that in the afc championship game as well he was able to strap that team on his back when they needed him most and put mm -hmm. together a drive that was able to get the, uh, the game won. So in terms of a transition year, that's really the only argument against it. You have to also remember that Bill Belichick always does what is best for his football team, not necessarily what is best for his team in the moment. It's going to be the long term. This is a guy that usually, with the exception of Tom, usually will cut the umbilical cord quicker rather than later with a guy. He'd rather let Absolutely. you go early than let you go too late. So I think that there will be some transition in the roster in terms of getting younger and getting more athletic, maybe switching a little bit of the way they do business, not just on the offensive side of the ball, but also on the defensive side of the ball. Um, don't forget, uh, a lot of people were really – I think hurt up here by the loss of Trent Brown, forgetting that you do have Isaiah Wynn waiting in the wings that did not play it down at all last year. Mm -hmm. uh, Trey Flowers definitely was a, a pretty good sized loss for them. Uh, definitely a dynamic, uh, you know, defensive end and really brought a lot to the table. They will miss him next year in that defense, but they also have some athletic linebackers this year that might make the, uh, the transition a little bit easier. Jawan Bentley showed tremendous uh, promise last year in the middle part of that backfield as a linebacker. Uh, he was injured for the best, uh, better part of the year and missed the remainder of the season. Bentley coming back showed the ability to be able to kind of quarterback that defense, uh, very similar to the way a Dante Hightower and a Kyle Van Noy did. That type of leadership, that type of presence will be a, a great addition, um, you know, for 
be uh, the Patriots' defense. So, and of course, Michael Bennett coming in here uh, as as a replacement for um, you know Trey Flowers. I think that in terms of skill, I think that they may have lost a little bit when it comes to that. I think Flowers has a, obviously a little bit more youth, a little bit more explosiveness in getting after the quarterback. Let's not forget that Bennett is still a very savvy football player and still a very crafty veteran. He's going to be able to fill that void so that way the Patriots don't miss that as much as people may think. So there will be a transition, but the Patriots always find a way to get the most out of the players that they have in their roster. And I think this year is going to be another one of those years. I couldn't agree with you more. And you know me, I love my NFL history and I know my numbers. And I can confirm to you that Tom Brady has indeed thrown touchdown passes to Father Time. <laughs> it would not surprise me it would definitely not surprise me he's been around there's an internet meme out there that shows tom brady wearing uh the red throwback jersey which i really wish the patriots would go back to mm-hmm. i'm still a purist and i still love that old uniform with the pat patriot logo but uh he's sporting a uh, a rather long easy top like white beard uh holding his uh his helmet <laughs> in his hand that started out as a joke you have to start to wonder as to whether or not that might actually add more truth in it than you may think so uh you know until until tom hangs it up it's going to be interesting but uh judging from the reaction that we're seeing with rob's retirement i can't even imagine what that's going to be like over here but as a patriots guy you definitely you don't want to talk about that right now because you don't want to upset the uh the, the masses up here in new england i'll find myself on the receiving end of a lot of nasty dms if i start talking about that right now so you know one one retirement one painful retirement at a time <laughs> absolutely well i'll just say this mike um, you went above and, be, above and beyond spending time with us tonight. And I really sincerely appreciate it. You know how much I admire your work and so on. Um, again, timing is everything for us. We've, uh, we, we seem to get on great guests um, at the most opportune uh, moments. And again, huge news that a lot of us weren't expecting. Like you I think you said it perfectly. Uh, not a shock, but still a little bit of a surprise. Um, and, and just for the record, um, Julie and I's next stop is also Canton, Ohio, um, as we'll be taking the Vibecast out to the Hall of Fame this year. I know Gronk won't get there for like six years, you know, if he gets <laughs> 2024, but Julie, you and I can save him a seat, right? Oh, definitely. Mike, open invitation for you. Oh, excellent. I would, you know, it's just the fact that you guys will, uh, will be there definitely is, uh, is heartwarming. Uh, in terms of coming on you need not thank me i need to be the one to thank you uh to come on to be able to to talk football with the both of you guys i'm an admirer of both of your work um and uh it's it's an honor just to be on so uh, i appreciate it um willing to come on whenever you'd like to have me the hospitality is definitely something that uh is not only humbling but very very much appreciated so thank you for having me there and when you guys are in canton be sure to uh, snap a picture of someone that I uh, uh, know and have followed and have covered quite well over the years. And that is one, uh, Mr. Ty Law, who will be enshrined in Canton this year and uh, was definitely happy to, uh, uh, to see that uh, happen. So um, that'll be, yeah, that'll be something that, uh, that I'll be watching. And uh, I know you guys will be there to cover it very well. <laughs> well, I appreciate you come on, like I said, and uh, one days until the draft, 30 by the time this airs, um, and again, the Patriots and the Giants with 12 picks, the most of any team right now. It's going to be fascinating time for you. And once again, Mike, thanks for coming on tonight. 
Oh, my pleasure, Russ. Julie, thank you so much. Uh, you guys take care. Enjoy the week um, and enjoy the, uh, the rest of NFL free agency as we lead up to the draft. Thanks, Mike. <laughs> thank you both. Have a great evening. Well, Julie, our win streak continues. Um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, uh, Patricia Trainer comes on um, and talks about um, the Odell Beckham uh, Jr. trade. Uh, you know, our, our guests have been so kind to us. Um, like I said, timing is everything. Tom James last week uh, with the Justin Houston signing by the Indianapolis Colts. And now we get Mike Diabate uh, come on, uh, you know, basically 24 hours after uh, Rob Gronkowski announces his retirement. We can't thank Mike enough uh, for spending some extra time with us on the 12th edition. How ironic is that? A number 12. Can you think of a number 12 that might have some correlation with Rob Gronkowski? Not the number 12 I'm thinking of, but I guess I can, you know, for just, you know, for this special occasion, yes, I can. You're willing to bend. Well, for Julie Noted underscore PFG, or PFG Vibe. And for Bax Football Guru, you can follow all of them on Twitter. And thanks very, very, very much for listening to the latest edition of the PFG Vibecast. Good night. So long, everyone.